Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. All right, ladies, thank you for joining us again for this particular series on the Entourage podcast. Um, We are recording in September, and these are going to be released in October of 2020 um, in recognition of National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And domestic violence is an issue that is actually an international issue. It's it's not um, specific to the United States. It's not specific to Oklahoma. It's actually specific to very little. It goes across genders, across relationships, um, across socioeconomic statuses. Um, there seems to be um, no particular exemption from those who may find themselves in a situation where there is domestic violence. And, uh, and Merriam-Webster defines domestic violence as the inflicting of injury from one family member to another. So depending on where you're joining us in this series, you may have heard uh, testimonies on um, on on abuse uh, between a, a grandparent and a grandchild, or in this particular interview, we'll be talking um, more about um, abuse that exists partner to partner. And that's not always just physical abuse. That could be verbal, mental, uh, spiritual. Um, so, so I would just encourage you, even in, in listening to, uh, if you don't have a lot of familiarity with this topic, then first of all, you, you are blessed. Um, but just to broaden your scope of how you think about this issue, because even if it's not familiar to you, I promise you there are women around you that this has been their story and it has been their reality. And so my guest right now is Gail Armstrong, and Gail and I uh, live in a community together. She has a an awesome son who is close in age to my brothers and I that we got to know through through youth group at church when we were teenagers. And um, as I began thinking and praying about who to have on the podcast to share to share their stories and their testimonies, someone had recommended um, that I reach out to Gail. And I say this to Gail's credit and to encourage you that while I have known um, who Gail is and known her her son for a number of years, well over a decade, I had no idea that this was any part of their story whatsoever. And and I don't think that's because Gail conceals it or hides from it. Uh, as she told me when we sat down today, that's not something I carry in my bag anymore, but I'm willing to talk about it if it will help someone. And so even just at the onset, I hope that if you are a survivor coming out of the trauma of abuse and domestic violence, that you would know that there's hope that someday you will be able to say, it's not something I carry in my bag anymore. Um, so we're going to hear more about her story, and we're going to hear about how she got to uh, to where she is is now. So um, Gail's, uh, in addition to being a mother, a woman of God, um, she is is a uh, a very um, successful business woman that that serves our our community through a, a service based community organization in Durant that does a lot of good. 
And so, um, Gail, first of all, if there's anything I missed in introducing you, please fill in that blank. Uh, thank you for being here and sharing your pearls with us. Um, if you would give us an overview of your story, um, maybe what your life looked like 27 years ago, I think is the number that we, that we counted up, um, then that will be our starting place. Okay. Thank you for having me. And if I can help anybody going through anything, any kind of abuse, I would be willing to, to share anything. Uh, initially, I married. was not the choice of my, hus- my uh, father who refused to give me away. So that was kind of a starting point that I should have known something was wrong. But I didn't listen. I thought I knew what I was doing and that I was right. So we married. And initially, it was good. Everything was good, um, but then the drinking and the drugs started and the change in personality. So there was uh, abuse, not only physical, but mental, uh, verbally, spiritual, you name it, There was it was there. But after I had a child, um, realized that he was more important than staying in the abuse. He was the reason I got out, and had God in and out of my life several times and did not stay with God, which I regret immensely. But in using God to recover was the best thing and coming out of that abuse. And it even continued even several years after the divorce uh, because I had a hard time just letting go and realized that my son was the best thing that happened to me and that God wanted me to live a good life for him. And so we did. And um, and just in, in recapping, you were married for about seven years. Is yes. that correct? And so it didn't go on the whole time, but it went on several of those years. And then it's, after, even after the marriage ended, that some of that torment yes. and, and abuse continued. Um, what I love that you said about your son, and I want to say this to encourage mothers' hearts on on the other end of, of this episode is that you see you made the choice to to get out of that situation ultimately because of your your son. And then when I when I asked you in our in our pre-interview for this episode, when you started really walking with the Lord, because I, I know that you're a woman of God, you shared that it was your son who brought you back to the Lord in a consistent way of of walking walking with the Lord that he had um, gotten saved and baptized as a adolescent at a, at a church camp, and after he got baptized, then he brought you into something. And so I just want to encourage the moms listening um, about you impact your kids, and you never know the way that they're going to impact exactly. you. And I just think that is such an awesome testimony that I know there were probably days as a single parent in that journey that you thought, am I doing everything that he needs me to to do are we surviving okay yes. and yet at the end of the day he brought you into something into a a fruitful relationship with the lord and i just think that is that's amazing um so shifting gears a little bit um once you were i don't know that in the clear is the right word um but once you were in a place that the after after leaving the situation, after maybe the, the 
torment, the recurring visits and threats had slowed down a little bit, whatever period of time that was after that seven years. What did recovery look like from for you? Is it possible to recover from from that fear of of just wondering, is he going to show up? Is he going to cause me harm? Is it possible to recover from that? And if so, what does that look like? It is possible to recover. Uh, my recovery started probably before the divorce and going to counseling, um, trying to find out why things are happening the way they are and what can I do different. And we both went to counseling, but he stopped going thinking he was fine and it was my problem. So I continued counseling. That was the best thing I could have done because that kind of gave me more perspective about me. I kept wanting to blame my husband and the counselor kept bringing it back to, what about Gail? So it took, it was it was hard for me to take a look at myself. And once I did that, that was the, the beginning of my recovery. Uh, recovery included God sometimes. Um, some of the times I didn't want to go to church because I did not want people to see me upset or see that I'd been crying all night or um, just did not want to have to put on a face in front of somebody and pretend. I, I wanted to stay home and stay in my hole, take care of my son, go to work, and that was it. But my recovery kept going, and as I got closer back to God and rededicated my life once my son was saved, that was the beginning of a guilt-free, because I felt guilty divorcing my child's father. And because when I married, I married for life. That was my commitment, and I was going to stick to it. And that's why I stayed in the abuse as long as I did. Not that I couldn't make it on my own. I'm a pretty independent woman. And even in the marriage, I was pretty independent, which was probably part of the problems. However, um, in going to the counselor and, and in talking to other friends and, and others that had gone through some of the similar things and knew how to counsel me, um, as I mentioned to you in the pre-interview about the God box, um, being able to write it down, not caring what the language was, not caring what I said, not caring if it was punctuated or in paragraphs, I just wrote. Wrote everything that I was angry about and that the hurt in my heart. And I would fold that up and say a prayer, and I'd put it in a God box. It was just a shoe box that was taped up with a slit in the side, in the top of the lid with God box belt on it. And I was able to release a lot of angers and emotions and be able to raise my son without having to carry that baggage around. And now... I don't have to do that, but still, when I find myself upset about something, I will write it out, and then I will trash it or shred it, and it still helps me know that I don't have to carry that around with me, and that was how I was able to recover, plus I was able, I was also working at a place that had other women that were going through uh, similar situations, and they didn't have the courage or the confidence to be able to do anything about it. And so I would test, give my testimony to them, whatever the situation was, and was able to encourage them and even take them by the hand and go to the courthouse and get 
uh, restraining orders and protective orders with them because they didn't have a clue of what to do or how to do it. And so that helped them, but it also helped me witness to them and know that I'm okay, that I am strong and I can be strong for them too. So that really helped me see that I was there for a purpose and that I went through what I did to be able to witness to other women. Did you ever think, um, you, you talk, we talked about the vicious cycle earlier, kind of going from honeymoon to attention to the next cycle and then back to the honeymoon phase, you know, in the, in the good aspects of, of your relationship, did you ever imagine that you would find yourself in a domestic violence situation? No, I didn't. Um, my mother uh, had married a very violent man, so my biological dad was a, an alcoholic and a very abusive. And I swore after watching that most of my life that I was not going to go through that. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? <laughs> I did. Mm-hmm. You know, they say you marry a man who's resembles your dad. Well, he resembled my biological dad, not my stepdad at the time that mm-hmm. was a good good person and a good moral man. So I never thought I would be in that. But when I was, I tended to minimalize it saying it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. But then when somebody would ask me why I have bruises on my chest or this or that or scratch, then I start telling them about it and it sounds awful. Yeah. But in my mind, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. But it, it was a lot worse than I let on. Yeah, hindsight is, yes. is twenty twenty. Yes, you talked about um, how you would walk alongside other women um, that were going through it. Were you surprised? Um, also, in hindsight, looking back at the number of women that you've come across over the years that have also walked through similar things, or is that something that because of your your biological dad, you had a pretty keen awareness that it's You can tell prevalent. signs. You, there yeah. are signs that women portray that they don't know they are mm-hmm. or just the way they act or the way they talk. You can yeah. tell they've been beaten down. And yes. a lot of times I just get to talking with them and asking them questions and, you know, just trying to relate to them and get to become friends at work. And so that helped. Yeah. Um, it is hard if if a woman does not want you to know what's going on, they will put up that front and you won't know that anything's going on mm-hmm. with them until you really get to know them. You know, I think sometimes women are distrusting of other women because there is such a tendency for, and probably because of rooted insecurities, but of gossip and of uh, kind of, of being nosy and, and whatnot. Um, there, there's skepticism between one woman to another woman, but that's not always the case. There are good, godly women, and you talked about your friend, um, Lavana, and and how she was a friend to you, and and, and kind of came alongside you in a certain season of, of that. But um, how would you encourage a woman who may suspect that there's another woman in harm to approach her in? in Christ's love and in authenticity to try to offer help. That can be tricky because a lot of women get defensive. Yeah. And it's not so much that they're leery of another woman or trusting. It's part of it is you've been told you're worthless. You've been told that you're dirt. 
and you hear that for years and years, and you begin to believe it, your self-confidence goes way down. So that's hard to determine. But if you see a woman that they don't have much self-confidence, it's because somebody's told them that they're not worth it, mm-hmm. that they're not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, plus being treated badly, whether it be physical or verbal abuse. Yeah. And, I mean, you're told something long enough, you're going to believe it. So mm-hmm. that's hard to see in another woman unless you know what to look for, yeah. that they don't have any self-confidence. That's usually the ones you need to Start talking with, share some of your journey with them so that they know you understand what they're coming from, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to just open up. Most of them don't. I wouldn't have. Sure. Sure. You know, I was stubborn enough that, hey, I can handle it. I can do, I can take care of it myself. That's when I was walking away from God is I'll do it myself. Yeah. But when I let go of it and let him in was the best peace I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I just say to ladies that maybe that bears witness with you that you're thinking, man, I do I do suspect that, that someone in my life is is living in some isolation or fear because of, of a situation. I would say to you, be willing to risk being rejected to mm-hmm. show compassion and love. Most Even definitely. if that means they reject you, it may um, just be a reflection of what they're, what they're going through, as Defense she said. Mechanism. So yes. don't. Don't reach out in compassion on the premise that it's going to be accepted. Do it because it's the right thing to do, and, and the Lord Correct. calls us to do it. Um, I wanted to go back to the God box for a second. I feel like this is a great tool for any anyone. Um, when the Word tells us to cast our anxieties on the Lord, um, you know, and our, our burdens, that sounds great, but sometimes people have a hard time tangibly doing that. And I think what Gail has mentioned is a great tool to whether that's a box whether that's a jar it doesn't really matter but as long as you have a way of physically articulating something and laying it down putting it away surrendering it to God um, I think that you're going to find relief from whatever that burden of of the day is um, how long did you do that for? well you think you still do you still do it I you still do you don't a, put it in that particular form box. of it yes yeah. but uh as I said, I need to find that box and destroy it. Um, I did it for years. I mean, as long as I held that anger, and and if I couldn't talk to someone about it without getting emotional or angry myself, mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't finished with it. Mm-hmm. And so I could say it as many times as I wanted, and I still carried it around. But until I wrote it, I think there's a different part of your brain that controls that that writing that once I wrote it, and I didn't have to carry it around. It was mm-hmm. it was like, I, it's gone. Yeah, let's replace it with love or something, some yes. God thing. Yeah, you also shared with me um, that you were able to reach a place um, that that you forgave your offender, and I I want to say that. Forgiveness does not establish a relationship. Forgiveness does not excuse what someone did in terms of um, affirming it, saying that it is okay. But forgiveness does release a debt to the Lord, just like thinking about that God box of saying, I'm going to let you vindicate, Lord. I'm going to release my expectation that that this person is going to make this right. Um, 
And, and so can you talk about what that process is like of forgiving someone who has hurt you so deeply and on so many, many levels? Because I, that's important, but man, that's hard. It is hard. And as I mentioned, the counselor helped me a lot because when she would ask me a question, I would respond, but he, but he, but he did this, he said Mm -hmm. this, and her holding me accountable and making me concentrate on what I felt, what I did, Mm -hmm. right or wrong, that helped me not concentrate so much on what he did all the time. So in the the God box, I would write everything out that he did. Mm -hmm. And so once I had wrote out what he did, then I tried to figure out what it is that I felt Mm -hmm. and tried to deal with that. So it is not easy, and it takes a long time. It may take a couple months. It may take a couple years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's whatever it takes to do it. And as I said, I still find myself in situations at work or relationships with my son and he, you know, makes me want to pull my hair out, then, you know, I'm trying, I'm second guessing myself. So I go and write it all down and and destroy it. And that helps me release it. Mm -hmm. But once I saw him face to face, my ex-husband then, and told him I forgive him, Mm -hmm. that released me from having to worry about it anymore. Yeah. That's right. That that's that's amazing, and I'm glad that you that you shared that because not forgiving keeps us in prison and in torment, and um, and so that's that's amazing. I think one of my my final questions is, um, what would you say to a woman today who cannot see past the hurt and into hope? wherever she would find herself in this spectrum of, of life, either it's still in a situation um, leaving or, or out of it two years removed, yet, mm-hmm. but can't see past the hurt today. I would advise that person to reach out to someone, whether it be a friend or a pastor or someone to be able to open up and start the process of admitting what's going on. Um, doing the God box can be done at home or anywhere at any time. Um, just having that courage uh, to reach out to someone to say, I'm going through a tough time or I've got a situation, can we talk? Mm-hmm. Just being able to start opening up and hopefully find someone that either has gone through it or is knowledgeable in the situation and can help advise you currently because everybody's in a different phase, a different situation, depending on how severe it is. Sometimes it's a matter of your well-being and your safety. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine wasn't so much. It was more mental. Like I said, there were some physical, but it was more mental and spiritually. Yeah. Um, then, and and exposing my son to some of the fights or the, you know, the emotional part there, that that is tough. Mm-hmm. And kids, kids know what's going on, whether you think they do They're or smart. not. <laughs> yeah. They absorb, but just being able to reach out and 
to lean on God. If you don't have God in your life, then let him find you where you're at Mm -hmm. and use him because he will give you that peace. He will give you that courage to find someone to confide in, to help. And Mm -hmm. if it's me, call me. I'm available anytime for any reason. I understand. But leaning on God, the, the times that I had God in my life and I leaned on him and gave it over to him, that was the best and most peaceful time in my life. Um, of course, you're in the middle of a situation and you think, oh my God, it's life or death. Mm-hmm. And you think I've got to do something. I was always a problem solver. So it was like, I've got to fix this. And you can't fix them. You can't fix them and you can't fix the situation. You can only walk away from it. Mm. And sometimes that's very, very hard, especially when you've got kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. That makes me think of two proverbs in one I'm paraphrasing but it says um it's actually yeah it's two separate proverbs I'm kind of putting them together but um by wise counsel war is waged and in the abundance of counselors there's victory and and I just think about how um you know God has called us to live life and to live it abundantly and sometimes that is that is a fight and that is a battle uh regardless of if you've been through a trauma or not, but especially if you're coming out of a trauma mm-hmm. and you need that wise counsel and that abundance of whether that's a pastor, a counselor, like you've recommended, a friend to come alongside you and wage war with you for life, for the the right things. And um, and I also just reminded about the the proverb that says um, where there's no vision, the people the people perish. And I would I would just in- encourage um, you ladies write down, maybe at the same time you're writing down stuff and put it in your God box, write down a vision for your, your future as best you can, um, of, of articulating what, what you hope life would be like 10 years from now, even if you can't see it in your heart yet. And it, and I, it doesn't have to be 10 years. I'm just making that, that number up. Um, but I, I, uh, I'm reminded of the song, um, tell your heart to beat again, mm. and um, and and the sto- one of the the stories about how that song was written was that there was a um, an open heart surgery or or a heart maybe an organ replacement, and it had gone fine. Everything was was hooked up, um, and and the surgeon uh, whispered to the the patient who was under anesthesia, um, the procedure's finished, everything looks good but I need you to tell your heart to beat again. And the power of the, the mind, the woman's heart, began mm. to accept it and to beat, wow. beat again. And so I'm just reminded of that also and thinking about hope for the future. But I, as I close us out, and Gail, in just a minute, if you're open to it, I'd love you to actually close us out in prayer if you don't mind to do that. And um, But there are Gails uh, around you. There are people that have walked through this, that truly are available. So just because someone else has rejected you, do not fail to see those who stand tall um, as pillars of light that are willing to share their testimony so that you can step forward, so that you can move forward, so that you can wage war for life, for your heart to beat again, for your children, 
and for the vision of a of a future that as you're walking with the Lord and trusting Him is going to be better than than what you can imagine right now. So, Gail, if you just close us in prayer, I would be so thankful. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to come and speak my story, which is not pretty, but I just thank you for the opportunity to help other women if possible, and that you have given Paige the heart for this type of ministry and to be able to reach out to women who are going through difficult situations. I just thank you, Lord, that you have blessed me beyond my wild imagination and blessed my son and that I thank you for everything, that you have been there to give me comfort, to put your arms around me when I needed it, whether I knew it or not. I just want you to reach out to every woman that's listening to this so that they could feel your comfort and that they could have that courage to step forward and do what's right for themselves, for their kids, for everyone involved, and not to to be able to take that to not believe the negative that they're told, but that they are very beautiful and they are wonderfully made and that you made them and that you knew them before they were even born, that they would become great women. I just thank you for this time and for this this time to share with you my story and to thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ladies, thank you for joining us in this uh, special series concerning domestic uh, violence and domestic violence awareness. If you are in an abusive situation, we want to, at this time, give you some contact information um, that you can access immediately. So if you are in the Texoma area with us, we have a crisis control center that serves Bryan, Atoka, Marshall, and Johnston counties. Their emergency hotline number is 580 924 3030. That's 580-924-3030. There is a statewide hotline that is a 24-hour safe line, and that phone number is 1-800-522-7233. And um, at that phone number, they'll be able to provide assistance with safety planning, crisis intervention, emergency shelter and advocacy to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. Um, There's a national domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-7233. There's also a national teen dating abuse helpline, uh, 1-866-331-9474. And I would would say also, um, if you are are on the other of, on the other side, not in an emergency situation, but looking for a next step of, of recovery um, within the faith community, even perhaps to visit celebraterecovery.com. Um, they they walk people through many things, and you could find a local chapter in your area, um, and and that may be a good place to start with engaging in community that's confidential. Uh, that it, that is safe. But again, if you are in the Texoma area with us on the Oklahoma side of the Red River, you can contact 580-924-3030. And that is for our local crisis center. Um, if we can be praying for you, uh, please let us know at entourageministries.com. Thank you for your time. May you be blessed. 
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 